This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome! This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, to celebrate International Podcast Day, which is September 30th, I am going to be doing another solo Q&A episode where I answer questions submitted by past guests of the show, but I'm doing things a little bit differently this week, and I am going to be answering questions from past guests who have their own podcasts as a way of kind of giving you recommendations of other fun shows to go listen to, so that we can kind of stay in the spirit of International Podcast Day, and, uh, you know, maybe you'll get some new show recommendations out of it. Before we get into that, though, September 30th is also Orange Shirt Day here in Canada, uh, also known as the uh, Day of Remembrance of the Victims of the Canadian Indian Residential School System, uh, the National day of truth and reconciliation. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, the uh, air quotes country that I live in, Canada, has a uh, pretty foul and horrible history of genocide uh, of, you know, white folks coming over from Europe and uh, doing a lot of genocide to the folks who lived here first. Um, a lot of people were put into a system called the Indian Residential School System uh, that was, uh, you know, at the time it was marketed as a way to assimilate late uh, Native American children into air quotes Canadian society uh, but what it really was and they said it in no uncertain terms was a you know way of air quotes killing the Indian in the child um, there was a lot of just horrible horrible stuff that was done to the kids in these schools a lot of them were murdered uh, among other things um, but also you know the ones who weren't murdered were left with like shitloads of trauma from it and it was like a really horrible thing and the last one did not close all that long ago like i'm pretty sure it closed in my lifetime the government has not really done anything about that <laughs> frankly uh they they make a big deal out of how they want you know reconciliation and they want to acknowledge their past and they 
do territory acknowledgements at every you know government event but uh, they've kind of done jack shit to actually make up for it um so you know today orange shirt day is uh you know an opportunity to acknowledge that that is a thing to call out your representatives to uh, call out the prime minister who just wasted six billion dollars on a pointless election to continue to have a minority government uh, for their inaction um and to you know just stand with indigenous people in this country, in this land, in support of them, in mourning with them for the enormous loss and for the, you know, immense injustice that was done to them. If you want to learn more about Orange Shirt Day, you can go to orangeshirtday.org. There's a lot of info on there, obviously. Uh, I would also encourage you, if you just listened to the last couple minutes of me talking about this and had no idea what I was talking about, um, just uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, Head to Wikipedia, search for... uh, Canadian residential school system or Indian residential school system and uh, you will have a lot of reading to do and you will probably be really really fucking disgusted with the people who run this country and uh, also church leaders (laughs) I uh, have been trying not to shit on the church too much but it's hard not to this time of year anyway All of that being said, uh, I want to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So, you know, today, or on shirt day, take that opportunity to engage in those conversations. Talk to people about it, you know, talk to friends who you might not know where they are at on this stuff where you might not have ever had a conversation with them about it make sure they know make sure they know about this country's fucked up history and frankly fucked up present of you know cultural genocide and literal genocide and try to make a difference where you can you know if if what you have the energy and resources for is you know having hard conversations then have those hard conversations if what you have the energy and resources for is protests or sending lots of emails or making angry phone calls do that if what you have the energy and resources for is just listening listen to people listen to indigenous people when they tell you about the shit that the government is still doing and and ask how you can help you know everybody has a role to play in this and if the role that you're playing is doing nothing and saying someone else will deal with it then you are part of the problem not to be harsh on you but (laughs) that's that's just the reality you know the least you can do is educate yourself and have those hard conversations man i have got to be honest it is hard to go from talking about orange shirt day talking about you know the residential school system to talking about podcasts because podcasts feel a lot less important but part of the reality of any kind of media is that we have as content creators this opportunity this platform to talk about the things that matter right like look food i would argue that food is important certainly but i think that you know joyful conversations around food the kind of general theme of this podcast is not more important than you know talking about how genocide is bad i i think we can we can all agree on that that is there is there is a, a vast difference in the importance of those two things but i think that you know i have this opportunity i have this platform i want to talk about these things that matter on a global scale on a local scale and to me so uh, you know it is hard to go from talking about that to talking about something less significant but at the same time i think that with the way that podcasting is set up as this this 
intimate medium where we can talk directly to our listeners, where we can tell you guys about the things that matter to us, where we can call you to action. I think podcasts are also really important. And so I'm really excited to get into this episode today where I'll be sharing a bunch of questions and my answers to them uh, from past guests of the show who all have their own podcasts where they're also doing awesome stuff. (laughs) They are telling great stories and they are sharing great information and they are encouraging their listeners and their communities to have hard and important conversations as well. So I want to encourage you, um, there will be links aplenty in the description of this episode. Uh, Obviously, I already mentioned there will be a link to the Orange Shirt Day website. There will also be links to every podcast mentioned in this episode as a sort of way of celebrating International Podcast Day um, with a little bit of, you know, cross-promotion, right? Because what better way to do that um, than to give you guys links to go check out everything that my guests on this episode have to offer. Um, So without further ado, let's get into the kind of lighthearted part of this episode. And uh, yeah, happy International Podcast Day. My first question on this Q&A podcast day episode is from Vinny Francois, co-host of the brand new Learn Real Good podcast and my guest from uh, last week's episode or this week's episode, I guess, episode 21. It came out like four days ago. It's weird to release two episodes in the same week. It's not my usual rhythm, but you know, International Podcast Day calls for what it calls for. Uh, Vinny and I just recently talked about chicken tikka, uh, but specifically the chicken tikka from Dishoom, a restaurant chain in the United Kingdom. Here's Vinny's question right now. Seeing as you used to work with pizzas, what are some of your favorite pizza toppings? Not necessarily the ones that go together, but just individual toppings that you feel like belong on a pizza. This is a great question, Vinny. I am a firm believer in the idea that anything can be a pizza topping and that people who try to police what can and can't go on other people's pizzas are fascists. So in light of that, I'm going to tell you right out the gate that I absolutely love pineapple on pizza. I am a big fan of pineapple on pizza. I think that cutting the saltiness of the cheese and the bacon or ham, depending on a Hawaiian pizza with the sweet acidity of pineapple, is kind of just a perfect flavor composition situation. And anyone who says otherwise is a fool. Another thing I love on pizza is anything that adds an extra salty element. So things like Kalamata olives are really wonderful. Uh, I also really love when there's like a crumble of feta cheese on top. And actually, if you put those two together, they are just wonderful. Uh, When I used to work at a pizza place, I would usually throw both of those on whatever I was making. Um, Maybe some bacon as well. I I really like salt on my pizza, and it gives me the opportunity to throw pineapple on there to kind of cut through it. So all the pineapple haters, fuck off. (laughs) Ha! Got him. Our next question comes from my frequent collaborator, Matt Cole, host of Debate This, a very fun video game and comic book podcast, and my guest from episode 15, where we talked about bratwurst and I shared my experience of making sausages from scratch for the first time. You should absolutely go and check out Debate This and also Matt's other podcast, The Ploose is Loose, where they review Disney Plus Marvel shows. It is a lot of fun. Here's Matt's question now. My question for you, Tom Zalat and I, host of No Bad Food. As I stated earlier on this episode, I am a heathen and will put ketchup on almost anything. I would like to know what is the strangest thing that you regularly put ketchup on. Ooh, okay. So I'm actually not a huge ketchup person. I don't usually dip my fries in it. I don't need it on my burgers or my hot dogs in order to enjoy them, but I don't dislike it either. Like, it's not one of those situations where if it's on it, it ruins it. It's just kind of secondary for me. Um, It's neutral, you know? (laughs) So it's hard for me to pick a weird thing that I put it on regularly because I 
don't really put it on things regularly. But that said, I do live with two children. And one thing about children is that for whatever reason, ketchup is like their favorite thing in the universe. And uh, they both love it and they put it on some weird shit all the time. My toddler really likes to eat bowls full of ketchup with a spoon. <laughs> um, he hasn't done it in a little while, um, but it's always really gross <laughs> to find a like half-eaten bowl of ketchup sitting around the house. So don't recommend it um, unless you're really into ketchup, I guess. Uh, I've also seen my stepdaughter dip cut up veggies in it, which like, I guess I could see that being fine. I don't think that it adds to the veggies, but I don't think it would ruin them either. Uh, I, I personally, I prefer ranch, but like, you know, you do you. Neither of these are things that I would do, um, but I'm not going to lie. The first time that I saw her dip a cucumber in ketchup, I had to try it also and I did and it was a middling experience at best so I don't know man ketchup is just not really my jam but in the spirit of uh, having a real answer for this question I do like to put mustard on a lot of things and actually I like to put mustard on pizza which uh, you know I didn't say before as a way of kind of burying the lead but I once made this really nice pizza with smoked meat onions mushrooms and uh, and then once it was cooked I put a swirl of yellow mustard on top and like slapped some pickle slices on it and like that slapped real hard so I would highly recommend it if you like mustard or like Rubens <laughs> you know Reuben sandwiches it was kind of a Reuben pizza I was really proud of it I would highly recommend it but yeah not big on ketchup my next question comes from Giovanni Colantonio, host of Left Trigger, Right Trigger, another very good video game podcast. Uh, he is my food crimes correspondent here on No Bad Food, and most recently joined me for episode 12, where we talked all about the sub sandwich. Let's hear his question now. You can only have three spices in your spice rack. Only three. Ooh. What are they? Ooh, that's mean. Okay. Yeah, it's super mean. Cool. All right, assuming that salt and pepper don't count because that would be mean, and sticking strictly to spices and not herbs because that would be too complicated, I'm going to go with cumin, cinnamon, and paprika. I use cumin a lot. <laughs> I use cinnamon a lot. And I am Hungarian, so if I don't put paprika in here, I'm going to get killed. Uh, this is a really hard question for me, though, because I kind of love having a well-stocked spice rack, but I think that those are the ones that I use the most. Um, and not necessarily all together, but they're the three that I think kind of cover the widest scope of things. Um, so yeah, cumin, cinnamon, and paprika. As a little bonus, my three go-to herbs are basil, oregano, and rosemary. I do often put those three together because like, that's beautiful. That's just such a nice little, little trio, you know? All right, my next question comes from Tefer Ajemian, host of the Yeah Podcast, a fantastic young adult lit review show, who joined me in person a couple weeks ago for an episode about salad. Here's Tefer's question. Hey, Tom, what's the sexiest food? Oh, man. Okay. So I'm choosing to read this as the food that feels the sexiest to serve up to someone as opposed to the food that I would most like to have sex with because I don't want to have sex with my food. I think there's nothing that gets my mouth watering more than a beautifully seared steak with like garlic mushrooms and roasted seasonal veggies, maybe some like mashed potatoes, like maybe some like cheesy or like garlicky mashed potatoes on the side and like a little pot of peppercorn sauce. And I guess that what I'm trying to say here is that I really love going to a steakhouse. And I think that steakhouse dinners are the sexiest dinner. Um, and that, yeah, if I had to pick one element on that plate, it's got to be the steak. The steak is the sexiest part of it. But I think all the little side pieces that come with it. Wow, maybe I just want to have an orgy with my food. Maybe that's the issue. Um, anyway, I think that if anybody is trying to have sex with me, that is probably a way to do it. Take me to a steakhouse and then I will put out for you is, is what I'm trying to put out there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, steak, sexy, love it. Okay, before we get to the next question, I'm going to cut to a mid-roll so that I can plug a bunch of stuff for you because that is how podcasts work. 
If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of September, I'm donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of my show, you are functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Remember, today is the last day of September, so if you want to make that happen, do it today. Hooray! Uh, Also, now that this show has been heavily focused on food for a while, I went back and noticed that most of my existing Apple podcast reviews are super outdated and still talk about the show like it's a comedy podcast and also misgender me. So if you have already left a review in the past, maybe take this opportunity to go update it and I will count that as a new review even if it's technically just an update of an old one because accurate reviews that don't misgender me are more helpful than outdated ones that do. Uh, By the way, I use they them pronouns exclusively now. Please don't he him me. That super fucking sucks. Thank you. (laughs) If you're listening from Montreal and you like the idea of buying tasty food cooked for you by me, I do that. Go to my Instagram page at Tom's I for all the details, but basically you order, I cook, you pay me, and then you get food. It is tasty, and it helps me out a lot because I need money, and, uh, you know, you get to eat some good food. There's info on my Instagram, I update the menu every month. Check it out if you want food from me. It's good. It ends up being, like, slightly cheaper than ordering Uber Eats for better food a lot of the time, so, you know, hit me up on Instagram at Tom's Alatni. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get back to me. My next question comes from Keith Sari, host of The Volume Knob, a beautiful storytelling podcast about the songs that save our lives. I had the pleasure of chatting with Keith about Camembert earlier this summer on episode 13. Here's Keith's question now. We were talking about taste memories, you know, earlier when we spoke on on uh, the episode of the show that I did with you. And I'm wondering if you have a story of a particular taste memory that makes you think of your family or your partner that maybe you'd want to tell. I love this question. For me, probably the most powerful sense memory I have around food is the smell of schnitzel frying. Uh, Schnitzel being typically either uh, pork or chicken pounded flat, uh, sometimes veal depending on, you know, who you ask, uh, pounded flat, breaded, fried, delicious. Um, schnitzel frying specifically, that smell takes me back to my grandma's kitchen, numerous kitchens. My grandma didn't live anywhere for more than like a year at a time. She loved to travel around as much as possible. She's been living in the same place for a few years now, but it's not really her choice. Um, but you know, when I was a kid, she would be hopping around a lot and the one thing that was always constant was the way that her house smelled. (laughs) I would go into her house and the first thing I'd smell every time was fry oil, but not like food court fry oil because like this was always, you know, this was home frying, which like has a different smell to it somehow. I'm not really sure what actually is different about it, but like it's homey instead of kind of stale. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that the like fry oil smell when you walk into my grandma's house is always kind of fresh whereas when you go to a food court it's like I don't know how long that's been frying anyway the point is when I'd go to my grandma's house it would smell like fry oil because she would usually make schnitzel every time I came over Um, but it was also kind of cut with the smell of like floral soaps and like potpourri because my grandma's that kind of person who'd just have a bowl of like fruits with like you know herbs and and flowers and stuff just kind of sitting and rotting and smelling good in the house Uh, (laughs) weird thing potpourri as a side note Um, but yeah so when I'd come into my grandma's house I would get that kind of like vaguely floral but also fry oil smell um and that is really just 
that's something that I, I feel such a powerful nostalgia and such a powerful fondness for that every time that I make schnitzel at home, <laughs> if I like go down to the basement to do laundry and then come back upstairs, it really hits me, you know? And, and I think that's beautiful. I think that having having something that's kind of easy to replicate that hits you in a nostalgic way is really nice when you're like having one of those weeks, you know? So yeah, schnitzel. I like that. I, I like that. And I love my grandma and I love her schnitzel. <laughs> Thanks for that question, Keith. I, I think that there is there's something really nice about getting these like personal questions that make us dig deep into ourselves. <laughs> I do also like all the goofy questions, but it, it's nice to have a balance, you know? Anyway, my last question comes from Simon Majumdar, host of the Eat My Globe podcast, a podcast about stuff you didn't know that you didn't know about food. Uh, it's hands down my favorite food history podcast. Um, I wish that there were like 10 times as many episodes of it, and I eagerly await every time a new one comes out. Simon is a lovely guy and is actually kind of to credit or maybe blame for my choosing to go back to school this year to study history. Uh, I, I really just, yeah, having consumed his content and kind of heard him talking about food over the last couple of years has like changed the way that I think about food. It's changed the way that I think about history and about storytelling. And uh, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now were it not for me having, you know, found his stuff. So thank you, Simon. Um, and uh, also thank you, Simon, for the question that we're going to hear in a minute. <laughs> I last spoke to Simon on episode nine, where we talked about blue cheese, uh, and he shared some tips for making a great cheese sauce and also uh, a ridiculous blue cheese suggestion that I had never thought about before that changed my life. So uh, go check that episode out when you get the chance. Anyway, here is Simon's question now. Okay, so here's my question for you. And uh, this comes from my background as a publisher before mm -hmm. I started doing what I do now many years ago. If you could only have one food book, Ooh. it could be a recipe book, it could be a memoir, it could be anything at all, what would it be? Ugh, Simon, this is such a hard question for me because in my heart of hearts, I want to choose something that tells a story. Uh, I, I think that, you know, some of my favorite food books are the sort of culinary memoir kind of things where you get, you get a picture of people, you know, you get a picture of either an individual or of like a culture writ large through the stories that are told and the food is almost secondary. Um, I really love that kind of thing. So like Michael Twitty's The Cooking Gene is a favorite of mine. Um, Jane Ziegelman's 97 Orchard, I come back to a lot um, as kind of a, a reference point for a lot of important conversations around food. I can't say that I would take one of those though as my like one food book because I think that at the end of the day, I would have to choose something kind of I don't want to say practical because I think that there is something practical. I think there is something practical about having those kinds of important conversations and about hearing good stories and about learning from people. But if I had to choose one food book, I would want to take something that feels a little bit more like a guide, you know, like a guidebook to food. Uh, and I can't think of anything in that light that beats Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Samin Nasrath, um, who actually also happens to be a podcaster in her own right. So that actually feels like a really appropriate answer for this episode anyway. Um, but yeah, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat is more than a cookbook, uh, more than a Netflix series as well. Um, it It is about food as much as it is about how to cook that food. And it feels like a really good love letter to cooking and to kitchens and to just everything. Uh, so I think Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat is the perfect food book. And I think that everyone should own a copy. And I also think that everyone should check out Samin's podcast, Home Cooking. Um, it's very good. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick a like non-narrative food book, I guess, uh, in order to have something kind of practical on a like cooking level, that would be the choice. Salt, fat, acid, heat. But also 
I don't want to pick just one, so please go read 97 Orchard and The Cooking Gene also. Ah, multiple answers. So like I said uh, at the top of this episode, I am including links to all of the podcasts of my guests who were on this episode uh, as a way of thanking them for, you know, being part of this, but also as a way of giving you more things to go listen to. So if any of the shows that I plug today sound exciting to you, sound interesting, um, I suspect that at least the last two, both being, you know, about food, probably are shows that you're going to be interested in by virtue of you listening to this. But no matter what, if any of those shows sounded interesting to you, hit the link in the description, you will find them. I will remind you again that today, September 30th, in addition to being National Podcast Day, is also the Day of Truth and Reconciliation orange shirt day um you know wear orange today if you've got it have hard conversations contact your local representatives yell at the government listen to indigenous folks about everything that is going on and uh you know be thoughtful today Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, you can head to patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support the show for free by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. You understand It just takes a little time It takes a little time It takes a little time with me I hope you don't mind We'll take it slow this time Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. And I think you're going to like them just as much as I do, because they're crazy, and they're wacky, and they're hilarious, and they're definitely real people, and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday, early in the morning. On behalf of the Canadian people, welcome to the Game Great Podcast. Gay and Gray Montreal is a new social group for English-speaking gay elders from the 2S LGBTQIA plus communities. So it's a good way to at least connect with people. Members share their experiences, memories, and opinions on our podcast. Welcome to our community. I hope you feel well. I hope you feel accepted. And I hope that you can share anything that you want. This is some of my story. And I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I have a great story. (laughs) 